0: To make a declaration of faith over the word of God that we'll be ministering. You ready? Yeah. All right, whether you have the paperback or your device, whatever, if you want to hold it over your heart, again just as a, a point of contact and faith, let's say this: this is, this is my Bible. God's written living word to me. Word to because it's how He thinks. I choose to believe and act on what I'll read, I to and, act and therefore I am transformed. I am transformed. Amen. Amen. Would you stand back up for just a minute? This is actually part of my message, what I'm about to have you do. This is the final message in our series on favor, and I've entitled titled it Favor, The Father's Hug. So I want the ladies to find a lady, and I want the man to find a man, and I want a deep, compassionate hug. Come on. Mm. Blessed, blessed, (laughs) blessed. Yes, 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 <laughs> yes, that's what I'm talking about. A deep, compassionate hug. Compassionate, what I say. Passionate, compassionate. Yeah, we're not doing too much passion here, we're doing compassion. And that's what I have written down. I just often don't say what I have written. I I just, I mess it all up. Isn't that great? Boy, I'll tell you, hey, guys, if if you're ever looking for a manly, compassionate hug, I mean, something that'll just cause something supernatural to flow through your body, there's a couple of guys in here that are capable of giving that kind of hug. and I, I mean, there's just something about it. Trevor Roberts over here. Every time I hug that guy, I mean, it's just, ooh, makes me want to bite nails and cast out devils. We have, a num- we have a number of men that can do that. Now, women, I don't expect that to be exactly the same for you, but I'll tell you what. Here's our big idea for today. Write it down. Loving God is returning the passionate embrace with which he holds us loving God looks like this returning the passionate embrace with which he holds us you see a dream never grows old or impotent it simply needs the womb of passionate faith to incubate it and birth it some of us have lost our dream because we've lost our love, and our passion for God. Now, there's times where just a good, healthy hug from a godly man or woman will actually take care of that. I mean, it'll just send something into your body and your spirit that'll bring you out of that malaise. Other times you need to maybe go to a worship service somewhere or be in a conference or... You know, showing up here on Sunday morning regularly is a good idea. Uh, Because there's just always something that the Holy Spirit is doing where he's discipling you. He's bringing you along. The Holy Spirit never leaves us. He is always interested in that which interests us. He's always interested in raising that water level of the Holy Spirit's activity in our life. And so he knows perfectly, whether it's a hug or a verse of Scripture, uh, or some a handshake. It might be just a smile from somebody. Come on, Don. Yeah, there it is. This guy, we play racquetball several times a week, and I'll tell you what, He every morning he walks down that hallway just a little late. You know, we're already... <laughs> I'm telling on you, Don, but I, I have a reason. No, we we typically we 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 get there. I put my bag down. Some of the other guys might come, and in comes Don. And the, and the reason I wanted to tell you this is he's just he's just walking along, and he's got a smile. How are you this morning? He greets us. He just always got something going on inside. scares me a little bit, but. Uh, This is a guy that if you get around, he and his wife, Mary, you get around this couple, and they just have a way of loving you and giving to you that lifts you, all right? Loving God is returning the passionate embrace with which he himself, God, holds us. Now, the Holy Spirit spoke to me this week, kind of a a scary realization a a scary revelation a scary sort of wow God really listen to this are you in love with the idea of the supernatural are you in love with the teachings of the Bible are you in love with the blessing of God If you are, then eventually you will lose that love to the allure and care of self-pursuit. What we must be in love with is God himself. Nothing else. We're not to be in love with his power. We're not to be in love with a Bible verse. I mean, that almost sounds sacrilegious to say it from a pulpit, but it's true. Hear me, dear ones. You're not to be in love with anything else. But God himself, when it comes to your commitment to the supernatural, to a walk in relationship with God. And so oftentimes, we think we're loving God when what we're doing is loving something about God. We're loving his power or we're loving a miracle or we're, we're loving what he can do for us or we're loving a testimony that we heard about how he changed somebody's life. And as good as those things are, I'm not saying that those things aren't good, that they're not precious, that those things don't have a place in our life. What I'm saying is this, that those things too can become a religious procedure, a religious process. It's what the Pharisees and Sadducees became steeped in. See, it's not the word alone that gives life. It's only the spirit. The word alone, the the, the law alone, the word alone killeth. It is the spirit that gives life. Jesus said "You, you search the scriptures daily because you think in them you have eternal life. And yet, you miss the very one who's standing before you who would actually give you the life that you are pursuing and looking for. Being in love with God is different than loving his power, loving a Bible verse about him, or loving something he's done. We need to check ourselves. Now, get this here's what Jesus said in Mark's gospel. Chapter 12, and I'm reading from the Message Translation. Jesus said, The first in importance is, Listen, Israel, the Lord your God is one. So love the Lord your God with all your passion and prayer and intelligence and energy. And here's the second. Love others as well as you love yourself. There is no other commandment which ranks with these. Notice, you cannot treat all of the Bible the same. You can't treat every scripture the same. Every scripture doesn't have the same weight. Every passage doesn't have the same weight of importance and relevance as other passages do. You need to be careful. Jesus said it right here. He said, This one ranks above all the others. There's not anything else in Scripture that ranks with these. And what was it? You need to love God passionately. And when we work on that, then we'll find ourselves loving others well. The Hebrew definition of passion is quite different than our English definition. We associate passion with lust. We associate, in our English world and English language, we associate passion with something morally wrong. But in the Hebrew, passion means cleaving to God. See, this was a key in the Jewish mind to expressing their faith. And it's a paradox, really, because it means both to join and hold To be in union with, but also to separate. To hold on to and unite with, but also to rend and to tear into pieces. Isn't that interesting? The same word means both. Let me give you examples, the most famous of which all of you are familiar with. Genesis chapter 2 and verse 24. A man shall leave his mother and his father, and... He shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall become, what? One flesh. You see, when you cleave, when a man cleaves to his wife, they become one flesh. Now, this is not only talking about the physical unity of sexual intimacy. This is talking about something that happens in their spirit beings between male and female, where they become one. some God, there's an operation during that marriage ceremony. Taylor, Stephanie, there's something God will do in that ceremony that he's holding back on right now. He will not give it to you, even through engagement. It's gonna grow your awareness of it, your study of it, your appreciation for the possibility of it is all going to increase through engagement. But when you stand there before God and man and you speak those words of faith and power in agreement with God's word that now God is binding the two of you together in holy matrimony, something supernatural will take place to join you. And it's why you leave your mother and your father and cleave. But this same word was used in reference to Moses parting the Red Sea and to Moses striking the rock and splitting it open and water poured out, both in Psalm 74 and Psalm 78. So to cleave is to love, yet this very love contains sort of a sacred violence. and I like that. I I, I like that because it it's really drawing us to a place of understanding about what it means to be passionate about the things of God. Psalm 69 and verse 9. Passion for your house has consumed me and the insults of those who insult you have fallen upon me. Does anybody recognize that verse? You recognize how it was quoted in the Gospels when Jesus Did a certain thing, can anybody tell me? When was that verse quoted? By Jesus during a certain very violent event. And yet it was, he was expressing the passion of cleaving to God. When was it? Remember when he entered into the temple and he found people exchanging money and buying and selling? And it says he crafted a whip and he whipped them and he drove the money changers out and he flipped the tables over and everything was scattered. This is Jesus. I mean loving, wonderful, quiet, contemplative, sweet, (laughs) godly, spiritual Jesus turning tables over, whipping people with a whip and driving them out. And he quotes this verse. John 2, verse 17. Then his disciples remembered this prophecy from the scriptures. Passion for God's house will consume me. Jesus didn't quote it. They were remembering reading it and that Jesus was fulfilling it. Now, Watch this. When the psalmist penned it, he said this, Passion for your house has consumed me. Then he he went on and said, And the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. You see, when you are passionately in love with somebody, when somebody hurts them, they hurt you. When you're passionate about something, when something comes against that, That's an attack against you. (laughs) You see, to be passionately in love with the Father so that you're just walking in His favor every day requires that we might get a little stirred up, maybe even violent in our spirit against anything That would taint that love, anything that would draw us away from that, anything in our life, material or cares or riches or pride, that would self being self consumed, self self feeling self sufficient, anything that would come and attack that love, it it ought to burn within us and say, That's not right. I take that personally. (laughs) And so it is not uncommon then for God's kids to get on their knees and cry out and say, God, I know I'm your kid. I know I'm born of your spirit. I know I'm one with you. I know I'm in Christ and I'm perfect and righteous. But something in my life from this past week needs to be attacked and driven out of the house because it's contrary to my love for you. The Hebrew word cleave It's more strong in both its passive acceptance of what can't be changed and in its active way of meeting that, of staying with that, of of wrestling with that, of coming through. Now the Greeks have a word for passion, pathos, which means to be in an enclosed room without any way out. Now watch this. When all your alternatives are gone, what the Greeks did is instead of accepting the circumstances, the alternative that there was no way out, they went into their heads and built a whole system of fleshly, carnal lust and ease of life and ease of being and doing things, and they begin to be self-reliant, and they begin to rely on material possessions and frivolity for fulfillment in life. They went to that ethereal kind of place and started making gods out of everything, but not the Jewish mind. Here's what the Jewish mind does. When faced with the fact, at least seemingly... That there is no way out, no alternatives to what seems like a box or a room that you are in. In the Jewish mind, they keep fighting. They keep pressing. They don't give up. They say there is a way. And they are pleased to live with the reality that sometimes in the passion and love and cleaving to God... Your circumstances shout, there's no way out. But you, because of your passion for God, you set your face like a flint and you tell yourself daily, hourly if necessary, I will fight. I will see my way through this. I will get that loan. There is a way we will overcome no matter how many times we're told no. It might seem like we're in a box with no way out, but our God... (laughs) Our God is bigger than our boxes. Our God is bigger than that room in which it seems like there is no way out. Jesus referred to this when he made this comment. Listen, listen, tell me if this rings a bell. The kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. (laughs) See, while we're not to be violent with other humans, we're not to be violent against other human beings' created life. We're to be violent within ourselves, with ourselves, and with spiritual things, and put our foot down and decide every once in a while, that's not acceptable in my family. That's not going to live in my body. That's not going to stay as a condition of my children. My finances are not going to exist in this kind of place. There's a way out, including that. Praise God. <laughs> Hallelujah. John chapter 6 verse 47 I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life and that's the Greek word pistio which has nothing to do with this kind of mealy mouth just mental assent reading a scripture, going to church, singing in the choir and saying, I'm a Christian, I believe in God You know, if you stop the average person on the street and ask them, do you believe in God, they'll tell you yes. In fact, here in America, a greater percentage of Americans even attend church or temple or some sort of religious service monthly. And so if you ask them, do you attend church? Do you think church is important? Very high percentages of Americans believe that church is important. But that's not the kind of believing Jesus was talking about here. When he said, he that believes on me has eternal life, this Greek word is more like the Hebrew word to cleave. It means that we're going to wrap our arms around the legs of Jesus. It means we're going to wrap our arms around the heart and the words of Jesus. It means we're going to wrap our arms around his very being and personality. And anything that comes into my life that challenges my love, my singleness of love for him, then I'm going to take that as a personal affront. And I'm going to deal with it radically. Napoleon Hill said, adversity carries the seed of equivalent benefit. I'm just going to let that sit for a minute. Adversity carries the seed of equivalent benefit. You know, there's some adversity in your life that you ought to be thanking God right now. Not for it being sent or coming, but thanking Him through it. Look at the words you're speaking, check the words you're saying. In the midst of your circumstances, in the midst of that box, what are you saying? What's coming out your mouth Are you expressing passion A renewed love for God Are you grabbing Jesus around the legs And saying I will never give up Or is that thing moving you Is that thing affecting your love And your dedication You see in this idea of cleaving or passion being passionate about the things of God there must be a willingness to finish you've got to have a willingness to finish so many people who confess Jesus today who profess to be believers will at least in time Trade that profession. Trade that initial passion and love for God for other things in their life. And all of a sudden, you see them falling away, no longer attending church, no longer singing praise, no longer worshiping God. Don't raise your hand, but how many of you know somebody Maybe a good friend, maybe a family member that started out running for God, passionate in love with the things of God, and now they're no longer serving him. How does that happen? Because we weren't talking about cleaving. We were talking about just giving God mental assent. We were talking about giving him, what's the expression? When you give him lip service. Jesus even talks about this when he says, look, we're all going to stand there before the Father, and he's going to say, you know, where'd you come from? I don't recognize you. And we'll say, Father, in your name I cast out devils. In your name I did mighty works. In your name I this and that. And Jesus said, the Father will look and say, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never, and actually that's Lawlessness, you who do lawlessness There was no constraint There was nothing in your life That caused you to renew your passion And so you went outside Of the passion of God You went outside to please yourself And and, and to draw strength, to find meaning in life You went outside Of God's love And Jesus will say in that day The Father will say Depart from me, I never knew you Workers of lawlessness I never knew you. I never knew. You mean it's possible to cast out a demon and not really know Jesus? Think about that. You mean we can get up and shout and run around the church and testify to laying hands on somebody and them falling out under the power of the Holy Spirit and even genuinely getting healed? Healed? And in that day when we stand before him, we might hear, Depart from me, you who do lawlessness, I never knew you. We're talking about cleaving. We're talking about a passionate love that we return to the Father in the same way that he loves us. Let me ask you a question. How does God love you? How does God love me this morning? How many of you know? He said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. That's a benchmark. I will never leave you nor forsake you. (laughs) Oh, man. What a benchmark that is. Could you just... Let's do that right now. Look at the Lord in your way. Look at the Lord right now. And let's repeat those words. Since love is embracing and returning the passionate embrace of the Father back to him, just like he holds us. Let's speak those words back to him this morning. You ready? Say them after me. Jesus, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. No matter how difficult my circumstances ever become or what kind of season I go through, I love you passionately. I determine right now to cleave to you. Here's what the Bible says about Joshua, or Caleb, excuse me. Joshua and Caleb were of the same spirit, and they were the only two out of 12 that came back with a good report. All 12 of them saw the same circumstances. All 12 spies that went to spy out the land saw the same difficulty. They encountered the same giants, but two of them came back. And they said this We are well able to go up and take the country There is a way out of this box My circumstances will change God is God We believe Him And there is a way That was their testimony And here's what God said Regarding Caleb as a result But my servant Caleb This is a different story He has a different spirit He follows me passionately I'll bring him into the land that I scouted and his children will inherit it. (laughs) It's worth holding on, dear ones. It's worth making a commitment. I mean a gut-level commitment to cleave and not give up. Put your hand on your belly. Somewhere down in here we're told our, our spirit man exists. Now talk to your spirit. Say it. Don't give up. And then listen to the writer of Hebrews, thought to be Paul. Here's Hebrews chapter 6, verse 11, from the New English translation. Listen. But we passionately want each of you to demonstrate the same eagerness for the fulfillment of your hope until the end. Here's the message translation. I believe we're going to have it on the screen. And now... I want each of you to extend that same intensity toward a full-bodied hope and keep it till the finish. Don't drag your feet. Be like those who stay the course with committed faith and then get everything promised to them. Do you have some promises that you've just sort of let go of that haven't come to pass yet? And you've sort of given up on them and thought, you know, I don't think I'll ever see that come to pass. This verse is for you this morning. Do you feel like that relationship you're in has just gone too far down the other way and there's no redeeming it? This verse is for you. Do you feel like that financial situation is just blown up? And there's nothing more you can do? Even God can't turn that around. This verse is for you. Look at the words here. I want you to have the same intensity. Say intensity. I want you to keep it till the finish. Say finish. Finish. He says, Don't drag your feet. Say it. And then he says, Be like those who stay the course. Say it. Stay the course. Say it again. Stay the course. I need a few people at Genesis Church who would stay the course. Because every day isn't going to be you, you know where I'm going Every morning when you get up isn't just Every day doesn't just The kids always aren't The finances don't always look The, expect, the, the expectations you had for that job don't always How many of you know what I'm talking about this morning? And what we do in those moments where our passion for God is challenged is we need to realize that we're called to cleave. There's something inside of me that loves beyond eros that loves beyond fleshly material things beyond this world and it grabs a hold of God and says God I don't care if I never see another miracle I don't care if I never see another person fall under the power of the spirit I don't care father if your power were to lift and every time I go to church I never experience your power again God I love you because you are I don't know about you, but but I don't get goosebumps during every song service. I mean, there's some song services, Stephanie and Taylor, where I'm just laid out on the floor. It's all I can do to get up. Uh, you know, if the Spirit of God seems so strong. And there's other song services where I'm looking at my watch saying, do, do we have to sing all five songs? <laughs> How many of you have been... All right? I'm not alone in this, am I? Well, what is that? That means I'm going to cleave to God and I'm going to love God, not love the music that's being sung. Or the song list or the set list that was chosen. I'm not going to love whether the the all the vocalists are in tune or not. I'm going to love God. <laughs> I'm not going to... I'm I'm going to love God even when I don't get the raise. I'm going to love God even when the bank does turn me down again. You know why? Because favor comes from loving God by returning his passionate embrace with which he loves us. That's where true favor in life comes from. So I do not cleave to a miracle. I do not cleave to his presence. I do not cleave to his scripture. I, don't, I cleave to God himself. I do not cleave to an experience. I do not cleave even to a feeling. I cleave to God How many of you have ever used a personal computer? Desktop, laptop, something of that sort? All right, how, how many of you are Windows users? Microsoft Windows. Okay, the great. How many of you are Apple fanatics? Those that are truly born again. Amen. I saw, I saw those hands. <laughs> <laughs> iPad, oh, iPhone, oh, MacBook, <laughs> iMac, 27-inch at home, Apple Watch. <laughs> there aren't any. There just aren't any. All the others are mere <laughs> poofs of smoke, Excuse vapors of imitation religious <laughs> there's mercy <laughs> bottom line there is mercy thank god I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to say a four-letter word in church. I'm going to say a four hold on now. Stay with me, okay? It'll work out. I'm going to I'm going to say a four-letter word in church and then read you a scripture. You ready? Don't plug your ears. Icon. Listen. Second Corinthians chapter six. How can the tangible physical address of the living God compare with a phantom image that man hosts in his mind? Mankind is God's idea. We did not invent God. He invented us. He said, in you I will reside and move and have my being in you. I will have my being we belong together I am yours and you are mine for you Windows computer users you know that there's a process in the Windows operating system where you can create an icon representative Of a program or a file or a place you want to go on your computer. A destination. Can anybody tell me what that's called? That special icon, it has a different name. We don't call it an icon, we call it a shortcut. How many of you have ever used a shortcut? So instead, for instance, if you're on a project and you're working on a Word document, and where you file that on your computer is several folders deep, where if you had to go search for it every time, I mean, from day to day and week to week, I'd even forget where I had put it. So what I do is I create an icon on my desktop called a shortcut that gets me to the program. I just double-click on it, and that, that document opens right up as if I double-clicked on the file itself. But it's not the file. It's an icon representation of it. <laughs> In Apple it's called an alias. See superior clearly. <laughs> it's an alias. To the real thing. But it is the real thing. Because if I double click on it. What comes up? the real thing the real destination the real program starts the real document opens could I ask you something based on what Paul said here in second Corinthians chapter 6 what happens when a disease double clicks on you what happens when the bank says no A second, third, fourth time? What happens when your spouse hauls off and says some of the meanest things you have ever heard in your marriage? What happens when your employer who promised you what's behind your shortcut What's behind the icon of your alias? Is it the real deal? Or is it somebody who gives up on their faith because times get rough? The struggle becomes difficult. And what we've got sitting out there on the desktop is not a shortcut or an alias to the real thing. We have somebody who said they believed we have somebody who said they were committed we said we have somebody who said i love god with all my heart a couple weeks ago and now you double click on the icon and it takes you to some sort of bastard virus that infects your whole machine yes i said it that's a six letter word seven it wasn't planned clearly (laughs) those are the best ones though so listen dear ones we must get rid of any language which suggests distance or a need to reach to God to bring him to ourselves and regarding others since this is a two way thing he, he said the greatest commandment is to love God with all your heart what's the second? to love others as you love yourself huh? so listen to this we must accuse God of that of which he is guilty loving the world are you guilty of the same passionate love for humanity in all their brokenness or do you stand in pious judgment thank God I'm not like one of these thank God I'm not like that see God's guilty this morning God is guilty of loving the world How about you?